Terry opened things up for us a couple weeks ago starting, well, not really, yeah, starting as a kind of general introduction on what we're going to get into, which is the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, as they're commonly known as in Christian circles anyway. And today what I'll be covering is the first two Beatitudes, uh, which are, despite being quite short in nature, are quite packed to the brim full of things you could just talk about for a long, long time. But we only have 20 minutes, so I'll try to keep things short. And since this is the Gospel of Matthew, another thing to note as well is that there's a lot of talk about the kingdom of God. There's a lot of kingdom talk. And if you're not familiar with kingdom talk, the United Kingdom is not a great reference for what a kingdom is because it's not really a kingdom, not like kingdoms that might have been more known of back in the day where there is a sovereign who is ruling over the nation. He makes the laws, he makes the rules, he has the final say. We don't really run things like that here in the UK or even in Canada or even the US. So there will be a little bit of context there. But before getting started, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of background. Before the Sermon on the Mount even begins, we have Jesus being baptized. We have him being tempted in the desert, 40 days. He begins his ministry, starts with repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I keep feeling like I keep talking on repentance, by the way. I've only done this a few times, but every time that always seems to come back. So he then calls his first disciples. He goes up on a mountain. He opens his mouth and begins to teach his disciples. And a large crowd, of course, has gathered around him. So let's start with the first beatitude. This is reading from the ESV. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So first and foremost, what the heck's a beatitude? As far as, as, far as I could tell from what I looked into, it's a state of happiness or bliss, um, a list of conditional blessings. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. There's a condition and a result. And what is, it, what is blessed? It's to be happy, fortunate, blissful, which is very interesting. Um, it pegs a question which I will ask in a bit here. But yeah, with that in mind, let's read it again. But this time, let's replace blessed with happy. Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. If you're in any way, shape, or form confused by how that sounds, you should be. Because <laughs> how in the world is that possible? How can you be happy while poor in spirit? How can you be happy while you mourn? Um, that doesn't make sense. At least when, when I'm first reading it, especially with the way that I see things happening today in the culture, oh no, you, you deserve to be happy. Do things that make you happy. You know, do, do, do what's best for you, right? This doesn't seem to indicate that at all. And it even made me ask the question again, does God want you happy? Because initially, when I've heard this, I've usually answered it in the way of going, well, no, God doesn't want you happy. He wants you holy. And I'm now starting to rethink that just, just a little bit. So let's delve a little bit deeper. Let's start with the first beatitude. Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Oop. Ah, there we go. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit? 
it's to recognize one's spiritual destitution or bankruptcy, okay? You're, you're completely unable to meet your needs apart from God. You have nothing to bring to God. It's not pride. Pride is all over us, especially in this culture. You only need to look at, you only need to look at the YouTube algorithm you only need to see what's going on in elections. Heck, it's even on the resumes that we do. We, we, we are so used to just bragging, right? But that's not what's being talked about here. There's a, there's a spiritual humility that's going on. In Psalm 51:17, which for context here is David's psalm after killing his mighty man Uriah and sleeping with Bathsheba. So after he's murdered somebody and committed adultery, this is the psalm that came forth after he was exposed for what he did. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, O God, will not despise. In Romans 7, 18, Paul speaks on his struggle with sin. It's a, it's a wonderful, it's very hard to isolate parts of that letter because it's meant to kind of be read all together. Um, but he says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Doesn't really sound like a brag. In Luke 18, it's probably one of my favorites here. It's probably the most clear. I'm going to read it from the Bible here, but it's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. It says that he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner." Well, that paints a different picture. Why is spiritual humility so important? Well, without, without this being said first, because it's very interesting that this is said first, the rest of the Beatitudes make absolutely no sense. Very similar to how the Ten Commandments don't make any sense without the First Commandment. It's kind of like a feedback loop. That first command that God gives when he hands the Ten Commandments out to Israel, you shall have no other gods before me. Every other commandment that comes after that feeds right back into that. Every beatitude we're going to see from this point feeds right back into this one. Let's move to the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, the type of mourning being talked about here, again, as far as I'm aware, is godly sorrow, which is not, it's not your normal, everyday sorrow. It's not sorrow over a job loss, loss of a loved one. Those are, those are different sorrows, and God does care about those sorrows, so don't mistake what I'm saying here. But what's specifically being talked about here is godly sorrow, mourning over sin. Blessed are those who sorrow over their sin, leading to repentance, for they shall be comforted. In 2 Corinthians 7, Paul's talking about how 
Godly grief produces a repentance to the church there. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So, so it's a bit different. The direction of travel that godly sorrow takes you is always towards God and doesn't come with extra baggage. It's not conceit. It's not despair. It's not procrastination. It's not, it's not pretending that it's not a big deal. Or maybe, or maybe uh, as uh, Suze mentioned to me yesterday, actually, it's not like sin blindness, almost in a way. It's not despair. It's not giving up on God. It's not, I've done this terrible thing. I recognize I've done this terrible thing. Oh, but how could God possibly deal with it? Oh, my goodness, he's, he's done with me. You've given up on God. It's not procrastination where you know there's something, where you're aware there's something that needs to be dealt with, but you put it off. Nah, not today. What sin does to you and how you respond to it matters to God. And you guessed it, humility is required. So that, we're going to feed right back to that first beatitude again. Unless your eyes are taken off yourself and towards God, mourning over sin is just not going to happen. The comfort is not going to come. That's the promise. There's, I do love how these Beatitudes start with blessed, happy, not just warnings. There's an amazing promise that's there that absolutely blows my mind the more that I read it because I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, we're not dealing with your normal average kingdom here. No, this is God's kingdom. This is the way God does things, not the way we do things. So let's read the Beatitude one more time, this time from the Amplified, which I think will round things out here quite nicely. It says, blessed, spiritually prosperous, happy to be admired are the poor in spirit, those devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, both now and forever. Blessed, forgiven, refreshed by God's grace are those who mourn over their sins and repent, for they will be comforted when the burden of sin is lifted. Amen. The gospel is good news, by the way, if that's not clear. <laughs> so does God want you happy? Yes, yes he does, on his terms, not yours. In, whew, in um, oh boy, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, as Paul is explaining, more defending his position to the church because there's been some feisty things kind of going on at this time. But as he explains how they're ministers of a new covenant, he says to them, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. God is in the process of making things new. And as we come back to him openly, as we are with our sin, with our mistakes, 
with our rubbish, he will make things new. So there are some questions, I think, for us to think on here. And not just think on, well, to think on this week, and if you join the, um, the Connect and Engage on Wednesday on Zoom, then, you know, there's a chance here to expound on this a bit more. But also continue to think about these questions as we go through the rest of the Beatitudes as we go through them. Do you recognize your spiritual bankruptcy? your own spiritual destitution? Do, do, are, are you more Christ-centered or self-centered? Where do you turn when you struggle? Right? Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Right? So, so, so who do you go to? When's the last time you mourned over sin? That's a weird question, isn't it? Because, I mean, because again, that's not really something we're really kind of prone to doing, is it? We have a tendency to just kind of hide it, which is no real surprise. I mean, in the book of Genesis, what did Adam and Eve do? They hid. Has anything really changed? No. <laughs> do, so do you pray about mourning over sin? Do you pray like David prayed in, what, in Psalm 139? At the, well, the end of it, the, the entire psalm is wonderful, but at the end of it where he says, search me, O God, and know my heart, test me and know my thoughts, and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Is there anything getting in the way of that? Embarrassment, shame, sin blindness. Do you believe God's promises ultimately here? I'm gonna read a bit from one of my favorite passages in the Bible because it was something my mom read to me when I had confessed that I had stolen a candy bar from a shop. I felt terrible about it. I was crying and everything, and my mom actually thought I did something horrible. And when I told her it was a candy bar, she, went, she chuckled a tiny bit, but then read this passage to me, and I haven't forgotten it. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have friendship, fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So, so, so be encouraged. If, if sin is bugging you, irritating you, that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. The next step is taking that to God. Now, if I can before wrapping things up here a little bit, if I can explain, the last month and a half that I've had has been absolutely just draining. And I know I'm not alone here. I know for a lot of us, it has been just, I'm just tired and just maybe just sick of things. For me personally, I, I, work, I work at a company called Game. I'm, I'm the digital screens guy there. 
So most of what I do is, hey, here's a brief, here's your screen, go off and do it, please, and stuff like that. And right now we're in a phase where everything just needs to be done now, 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 now. Please, 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 please. And in the middle of all that, I decided it would be a great idea to start KST. <laughs> um, and, also, and also volunteer to talk this Sunday about this stuff. So while all of that is going on, I am feeling just so stressed and the anxiety is just really getting the best of me. And I start cursing, I start swearing, I start, you know, mostly under my breath. If I did it in front of people, I'd probably be fired. But <laughs> bottom line, I said some really horrible things to people, people made in the image of God. I said and believed some things that were really not true and, and it really just started burdening me a lot. And it wasn't until recently, like the last couple weeks, um, where God really exposed that in my heart, especially as I was preparing this. And my response to that was just simply falling on my knees before God and going, Lord, forgive me. Please forgive me. I've said some terrible things here <sighs> to people made in your image while also saying, ah, I'm a believer. Yeah, I'm a Christian. <sighs> Not really acting like one, though. So, you will make mistakes. You will make errors. You will fall on your face. But, but don't worry. Don't worry, because if you're poor in spirit and there's humility there and you take that before the Lord, yours is the kingdom of heaven. You have a place in God's house. <coughs> and you will be comforted. <laughs> because that's exactly what God gave to me, comfort. It is so weird. I don't really know how else to explain how, the, how, how, how that all kind of works. All I know is that the burden is lifted, and although I'm still stressed, it's different. I'm not feeling weighed down by, by all of it. I'm just kind of going with it each day and kind of going, oh, okay, when we come out of this, we come out of this, whenever that will be. There's a great hope there. There's a, there's a great, wonderful hope there. And, and praise be to God that that hope is available for us. Because <laughs> otherwise we'd be in some big trouble. But that's... But those are the first two. Those are the first two Beatitudes. There's more to come. And I think we'll just end with some prayer here. I think. So let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God of the heavens and the earth, Lord, thank you for, Lord, thank you that we are able to gather together again in your name. Father, thank you for, thank you, Lord, for the time that we are in, Lord. Thank you for exposing our hearts, Lord, exposing weak areas, Lord, in us, that we may be able to come before you, Lord, that they may, that, it, that those issues may be dealt with. Thank you, Lord, for such mercy and grace for us. 
Lord, though we, Lord, though we are in error, Lord, thank you that you are faithful and that you are true to your promises, that you keep your promises. Thank you for the wonderful weather and Lord, help us this week as we go through our jobs, our respective places of work. Lord, help us to, help us to look to you and not focus so much on ourselves, Lord, to see you for who you are, Lord, in our situations and what we're going through, Lord, that we may see things differently. Give us eyes to see, we ask. So we can, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.